皆様ご起立ください We just, sorry that we lost it at the end of yesterday's show, but I have had so many problems getting when I get to wrestling and weightlifting, and all of the names that I cannot pronounce come roaring right back because you think you're almost through and you're not. But today's going to be a good day for name pronunciation. I feel it, and I also feel that we don't have very many medals that came out today either. So that's good too.、Um, Lots of team medals, and we know how to pronounce country names. Yes, right. All right. From the follow up file, this is what happens when we don't pay attention because、um, a thing Mo, who won the eight, women's 800 meter race, I did not really put the, the whole puzzle together. That's the first time that the US won gold in this event since 1968. And who was that gold medalist? Shook Plastani, Madeline Manning Mims. So big deal.、Right. Exactly. It was a huge deal. There was a slight earthquake in, in Tokyo yesterday, but I guess it was pretty far off the coast.、Uh, I know Lester Holtz, who is a big national NBC、uh, news anchor here in America, felt it, but、uh, people in floors around him in his、uh, work building did not feel it. So. Not a huge thing, but it did register on the radar.、Uh, more bad behavior from Australia. So the men's rugby and football teams flew home. They flew on Japan Airlines, and Japan Airlines contacted the Australian Olympic Committee to complain about their behavior because, according to the Sydney Morning Herald, a number of players were heavily intoxicated on the flight. They were loud and obnoxious, they left vomit in a bathroom. And it was not very kind or appreciative to the other passengers who were also on their 10 hour flight, maybe trying to sleep. Wow. <laughs> so, this is not the first thing for men's rugby. They, along with the men's rowing team, were the ones involved with making the hole in the wall at the village, which turns out to be a, in a room that was being used as a team and physio space. And then They left their when when they said, Oh, we, they left the rooms in an unacceptable state. Well, that meant cleaners had to mop up vomit and clean some pretty filthy rooms. So, not cool. You not know, cool. I wonder if John Coates is going to get involved in this. I don't know, but it is bad press. It is making them look very bad. Yeah, considering how the Japanese didn't want the games anymore anyway,、mm-hmm. to then have this sort of disrespectful behavior just. Looks bad. It does. It really does. Meanwhile, Bloomberg, Bloomberg reports that the badminton men's doubles tournament ended pretty badly with a, a lot of upset and vitriol. What is this story? So, Wang Chinlin of Li Yang from Chinese Taipei beat the Chinese champions. And because there is so much Political discord, obviously, between Taiwan, which in the Olympics is Taipei, and mainland China. It seems like on social media that the Taiwanese pair has been getting all kinds of vitriol from、Ooh. the Chinese. Yes. And in fact, then Li went on his Facebook to dedicate his win to my country, Taiwan. That's testy.、Uh, in Marinovella news, we are. We're getting to the climax of our Marinovella because events start tomorrow.、Uh, according to Inside the Games, the IOC insists it has no regrets about moving the marathon and the racewalk events. It's expected to be four degrees cooler there than Tokyo, which is probably degrees in Celsius. But、uh, they are happy with the move.、Mm, athletes still not so happy with the mood, m- move. Yes, there's been some reports that the athlete village in Sapporo is not up to scratch.、Mm. Which, not surprising since 
they didn't have as much time to put something together. Though I wonder if in the end they'll be happier because maybe in Sapporo you can have a few fans on the course. Maybe. They've been telling the public to stay away, but come on. They told them to stay away from the torch relay too, and there were still people at the torch relay until they took the torch relay behind closed doors. In Rule 50 news, uh, for now, the IOC has fully suspended the investigation into Raven Saunders' podium protest uh, after the death of Raven's mother, which was unexpected and very sad. Um, So that has been halted for now, at least. The investigation into the Chinese cyclists Bao Shengju and Zhang Tianxi, who wore pins with Mao Zedong on them, on the podium, that one's ongoing. And the IOC is waiting for a report from the Chinese Olympic Committee, which has told the organization that it will not happen again. <laughs> and I, I wonder what all the players in this are, because, you know, I wonder if the cyclists were like, well, we're going to be good Chinese nationals and wear the pin. I wonder even if the Olympic Charter is translated into other languages or and if it's not, do... How does that messaging filter down to the athletes? And let's be serious. Do you honestly think most Olympic athletes have ever read the charter? I mean, who besides us has read this charter? (laughs) I mean, I don't think it is a translation issue. I don't think I've read the full charter either. But on one hand, I can see the Chinese government being happy that this happened because they're being good nationalists. On the other hand, you know, it's it's not a good look for the next Olympic host country. Oh, Gwen Berry did do a protest. She did do a protest as part of the introductions. So when she came out, she did the Tommy Smith raised fist. And in the interviews after, she said, yes, that was a protest against social and racial injustice. But that falls into the category of how the other athletes were taking the knee at the mm-hmm. beginning. Oh, okay. So she is not subject to sanction for it. Okay. Uh, in COVID news, we are having a little cluster of cases in the village. The entire Greek artistic swimming team is out of competition because five members have tested positive and the other seven members of the team are deemed close contacts. So the duet team had to withdraw from the duet competition, which for us meant no sharks to watch. And then the team had to withdraw from the team competition too. Uh, So where is Marnie McBean today? So Marnie is at skateboarding, athletics, and golf, though at golf the drum had to stay in her backpack, though apparently the Canadian golfers asked her why she wasn't beating her drum, but it was the quiet please sign. Moving on to what officiating or volunteer job do we want? What what would you like to do? I got two. One, okay. I'm going to be the sweeper at the sand pit for the long jump. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. That's got me written all over it. Mm-hmm. Cleaning, though I might delay the competition for wanting to make sure all the sand is perfect. And then my second job was the bell ringer for cycling sprint, which is actually the starting time because they do a little sort of warm up, get into it, oh. and then the bell rings. Mm-hmm. So it, And the way the guy was ringing the bell it was like, go, go, time to go, time to go. Did you see the, the close-up of the bell? I did. It was big. And it's beautiful. Yes. And he's in his own little plexiglass cube, Ooh. the bell ringer. Mm-hmm. So he did not have a mask on, I don't think. Or if he did, he had a face shield. Okay. Okay. Um, I was eyeing that job until I saw you put it down on the sheet. Um, Yeah, that bell, if you catch track cycling, this bell, and I bet it's the same kind of bell that they have at athletics for when they have the long races and need to do a bell lap. And it is really beautiful. It's Tokyo Olympics decorated. And by golly, if we don't see that thing up for auction in some of the Olympic auction sites and what? 20 years or so, I would, I would be surprised. Um, my job. Okay. So two people, two different listeners hyped me to marathon swim and they said, Jill, you need to be the feed holder. So, so I saw a picture of this and went, what is this? So marathon swimming, they're doing laps around a course and there is a platform there where there are, there's a slot for every team 
and the team's I, I think it's a coach. I don't think this job is a volunteer job. They they all have a long stick and on the end of the stick is a cup and a flag. So you know which which and and in the cup they'll put bottles of uh hydration or or uh liquid food that they need to use and then they hold the sticks out and as the swimmers go by they have the option of taking their feed as the announcers were saying and they're while they swim the race they're doing freestyle and when they take their feed they're on their backs doing backstroke they drink their food and then this is what got me they tossed their bottles and i think there is a bottle picker upper sitting in the water and that would be my job because i was just horrified that you had this event that promoted ocean plastics <laughs> and throwing stuff in the ocean. And it just uh, mind blowing. And, and so I would really be about making sure all of those bottles got picked up and nothing got put as trash in the ocean. So how is our fantasy league doing? Fantasy league is the brackets are unchanged. I don't think we've gotten more results. Hmm. But in the regular fantasy league, Sholastan is in our lead with 753. He's 41st in the world in this wow. game. Wow. That is impressive. Calibri is at 321. Uh, PS Gola is at 297. And you are still in fifth. Okay. I'll take that. I Again, I was too late to change my swap out some people. So I've been dealing with, I, I, which I put myself into a hole because then I was dealing with a lot of, uh, almost a full roster of athletes who are no longer participating and I don't have enough swaps to swap everyone out. So I made my five swaps to put in people who are now competing. However, I still have people who are no longer competing on my roster. So next time, if you play fantasy league, learn from my mistakes. I wonder if Beijing will do Fantasy League. Because I think it's fun the way... I do think it's fun that the way Tokyo 2020 has done it. And I think they've done a really good job. It's a little clunky, but that's because... It's it's a little clunky, but I think it works well. And it's a I, lot of fun to do. I like this better than the way they did it for Pyeongchang. Which was just uh, random people. It was random people. And also, if somebody else picked that person, you couldn't have them. That's right. This, you could both have the same players. Mm -hmm. So I like that a little better. Right. Okay, it is time for What's Up with Mike and Maya. This is Mike and Maya of the Toyota First Date commercial where Mike asks Maya to the school dance. And uh, Mike is not, he's, he asks her out in school, but Mike isn't physically there. He is in the hospital. But uh, he can be there thanks to the technology of Toyota's life-size moving robot digital screen. So you have a thought about Mike's posse. Yes. Yeah, so you had thought that he was a soccer player. Mm -hmm. I disagree. Oh. I think Mike and his posse are skateboarders. Really? Yes. If you look at the gear, it's very typical skateboard, flannel, loose shirts, kind of low pants. So I think his injury was from the skate park. Hmm. That's there, interesting. There's also one girl in Mike's posse who clearly is the pick-me girl of the group. And okay. everybody under 20 will know what I'm talking about. <laughs> And if you don't have somebody, if you're not under 20, go ask someone in your life under 20 what a pick me girl is. Can you go get Sarah? <laughs> Which would be interesting because then that could be a reason why Heather doesn't want Mike going out with Maya because of those skateboarder kids. Exactly. Because mm, I okay. think if he were a soccer player, he would be a little more acceptable. Okay. Okay, I will, uh, we will go with that. All right, before we move on to today's action, we wanted to remind you of our Kickstarter campaign. We uh, unexpectedly and pleasantly, surprisingly, got 
uh, media accreditation to cover the Olympics and Paralympics at Beijing 2022, which is less than 200 days away. So unfortunately, we operate the show on a pretty shoestring budget and our shoestrings are not long enough to include covering um, basically a six week span in China. As an independent outlet, we really want to keep producing independent coverage. So we could use your support in making that possible. You can find out more at our campaign at kickstarter.com slash profile slash flame alive pod. We are 25% funded, which is great. It's, it means so much to us, but this is an all or nothing campaign. So, uh, it does go through the Paralympics, but that all or nothing milestone really needs to happen for us to be able to make our accreditations happen too. So, uh, please check that out. And if you are able to please donate. All right, today's coverage, artistic swimming. So much fun. Okay, so I did watch a lot of this coverage, and some of it I watched on mute, and some of it I watched on two screens so that I could have two different sets of announcers, which was also fun. I would put one on mute occasionally, but that was fun. Um, Austria's Evil Dolls routine was so out there and scary. I don't even know how those two managed to practice that every day for months and months. Without going a little nuts. (laughs) In quarantine. Oh my goodness. That was a freaky program. Uh, Sadly, I guess the Bulgarians did not advance to the final, so no baseball. And then the Greeks had to withdrew, withdraw, so no sharks. So I have to go back now and watch the prelims to see these magical wonders. But there were some really, really good routines. Uh, I got to say Japan's evolution robot routine. I really enjoyed it for like the first half until it suddenly the music switched to more classical or piano. And it, I get that you have to have music changes in your program, but I, I lost the robot thing. But our Shuklastanis, Jackie Simino, and well, I guess we're claiming Claudia Holzer as a Shuklastani now. They were phenomenal. They improved upon their preliminary score, did better than they did in the technical routine. So they got a personal best score total uh, and finished up in fifth overall, which was, they were so happy. Oh my goodness. They were just... Uh, uh, they could not believe they got a 93 even on this routine, which was a couple point, almost a couple points higher than they did it in the prelims. And they, they just looked so good. It was very sharp, very clean and no penalties. And it was just, you know, you, it's not even the meddling. It's that they did better than they've ever done before. Mm-hmm. And at the Olympics, that's what you want to say. Exactly. Exactly. So Jackie did improve upon her performance from Rio, her placement from Rio. So then in Rio, she was seventh and now she was fifth, which was nice. But yeah, it's exactly like you say, you just want to do the best you can. And sometimes the best you do is not a medal, but being the best you can be, that's what the Olympics is all about. And the routine is very, their routine is like a Japanese samurai theme, which is very cool. So gold went to ROCs. They call them the Svetlanas because both of them have the same first name. Kolisinchenko and Romashina. And they did a spider-themed routine, which is also a little freaky. But, I mean, the Dekork ending was very cool. And it, I got it. Although it was pretty much blatant because they have big spiders all over their, their bathing suits. But there is nothing about artistic swimming that is subtle. We might have to put... Uh, an artistic swimming choreographer on the list because where do they get these ideas? I know what you should do for your routine this year. Spiders. Okay. Evolution robot. Sharks. Flash dance. Um, Silver went to China's uh, Huang Shushen and Sun Wenyan and bronze went to uh, Ukraine's Fedina, uh, Marta Fedina and Anastasia Savchuk. But very nice way to end the duet. Everyone's looking strong going into the team competition. So I'm excited to watch Jackie perform again. Over in athletics, another great day at the track. 
This has been a really great competition, I think, so far. Today was the first day of men's decathlon and women's heptathlon. So what what happened? There's a little uh, confusion going on. Yes. So during the long jump portion, the athletes seemed to get out of order so that the scores were being recorded for the wrong athlete. So they stopped. That's not good. Right. Because everything seems to be automated. There's no... People aren't actually recording the scores. It's happening computerized. And all of a sudden, they just stop the competition. And the announcer said, oh, you never get out of order. And then they said, oh, wait, they got out of order. (laughs) So then there was this frantic frenzy at the judges' table. And clearly, poor Chris from IT had to come running in and try and fix this. And that is a job I would not want. Women's 400-meter hurdles. This is the race this year. And not a race I've ever paid attention to before, but all of a sudden, my goodness. Right? So we have another world record coming from behind to pull this one out is uh, USA's Sydney McLaughlin. Uh, and she beat out, just barely, uh, uh, Delilah Muhammad who was the champion in Rio 2016 and who also did a personal best time. Who so- also beat the world record. Yeah, again, this is just crazy. Um, and then Netherlands Femke Bull won the bronze. What a great race. Again, go back and, oh man. Again, too bad there's no fans. I understand why we can't have them. But too bad because this 400 meter hurdle stuff, I think, I mean, it's... Hmm. Bringing back memories of Edwin Moses. Uh, we also had the women's 3,000-meter steeplechase race, which was really interesting. Emma Coburn from the U.S., who was uh, the U.S.'s first medalist in this event in Rio, she DQ'd. She stumbled in a water jump during the final lap of competition, and she had a lane infraction, which left her, which got her disqualified. So that was kind of sad. And then, but it was a great race. America's Courtney uh, Freericks was leading for a, a chunk of it. And then near the end, Uganda's Peruth Chimatai came from behind and passed her, I kind of think on the, the last straightaway or so, and took the gold. But uh, Freericks was so pumped to win the silver. And she just had a great, great race. Bronze went to. Kenya's uh, Haivan Kayang. The men had the 800 fi- final. Uh, I did not see this, but uh, gold and silver went to Kenya. Uh, Emmanuel Career won the gold, and Ferguson Rotich won silver, and Poland's Patrick Dobek won the bronze. Uh, and last race of the night was also epic, epic, epic. You got to go back and watch this just for the feed announcer alone. Uh, this was Canada's Andre de Grasse pulled out the win. It was a new it was a new national record for Canada and it's Canada's first champion in this event in about a hundred years. And the announcer said how it, this race was just absolutely phenomenal. At last at last it is all gold for de Grasse. Cometh the hour cometh the Canadian, his country's first champion in almost a century. And it kind of goes on from there. All that glitters is gold for Canada. He just went to town and got very poetic. <laughs> oh, that was great. Silver went to U.S.'s Kenneth Bednarek and U.S.A.'s Noel Lyles won the bronze. Uh, in baseball, the U.S.A. beat Dominican Republic 3-1, to one, and Japan beat Korea 5-2. to two. Tetsuto Yamada had a tie-breaking three-run double in the eighth inning for them to get this game. We don't really understand which games these were because it's a double knockout situation. So what is the setup for who plays next? So Korea and the U.S. will play the semifinal. Mm-hmm. And the winner of that game will play Japan for the gold medal. The loser of that game will play the Dominican Republic for the bronze medal on Saturday. Okay. So in a sense, this was a semifinal between Korea and Japan, but Korea could still go to the gold medal game? Yes. This is a weird tournament. I don't like it. 
It does not make any sense. Well, let's move on to basketball. So it was the women's quarterfinals. Serbia uh, beat China 77 to 70. USA beat Australia 79-55. I saw that uh, coach Don Staley said, ooh, they were not going home that day. They were going to give it to Australia because Australia beat U.S. in a stunning uh, pre-Olympics uh, pre kind of warm-up game, and uh, they USA was not going to let them win again. Uh, uh, France beat Spain 67-64, and Japan beat Belgium 86-85. So I saw when I turned on my TV this morning, that game was on, just with the channel we had had on last night, and Belgium was up a little bit, and I went back later when I saw the score and said, huh, what happened? And they were pretty neck and neck in the fourth quarter. And then Belgium uh, committed a technical foul on Japan, which brought them like within a couple of points. And then it would be tie, Belgium gets ahead, tie, Belgium gets ahead. Then with not very much time, I think it was under a minute, Japan three-pointer. It was a good game. It was a really good game. So uh, the uh, semifinals will be U.S. versus Serbia and Japan versus France. And you know how those Serbians love basketball. I know. That's they're so good. That should have be a great game. game. At Beach Volleyball, the men's tournament had its quarterfinal stage. So uh, Norway's Anders Mall and Christian Sorum beat ROC's Ilya Leshukov and Konstantin Semenov. Two to zero, but it, all of these games, it looks like they're all they all had a two to zero set different differential, but all the games within them were really close. So these are probably really good games to watch. Uh, Latvia's Martins Plavin and Edgar Talks beat Brazil's Alison Cerruti and uh, Alvaro Morales Filo. I know. I think all the Brazilians now are out of both the men's and the women's. I think you're right. Can you believe it? No. Brazilians in the semis of beach volleyball? That's going to be intense. When was the last time that happened? Don't know. Maybe if, never. I was going to say, this hasn't yeah, been in there that long. And then in the last uh, quarterfinal, ROC's uh, Vacheslav Krasnilkov and Oleg uh, Stoyanovsky defeated Germany's uh, Julius Toll and Clemens Wickler, also 2-0. And then in the final uh, quarterfinal... And then Qatar's Sharif Yanus and Ahmed Tijan defeated Italy's Paolo Nicolai and Daniela Lupo. And that that one, the final set was 23-21. That was super close. Over in boxing, we had some more women's fly and welterweight semifinals. The men had a super heavy semifinals, but the light heavy finish up competition and gold went to Cuba's Arlen Lopez, who has won gold in two different weight divisions. In Rio, he won gold as a middleweight, which was interesting. Silver went to uh, Great Britain's Benjamin Whitaker, and bronzes went to Alfonso Loren from Azerbaijan and ROC's Iman Katiev. Cyc track cycling. I did get to watch some track cycling. <laughs> Obviously, you have seen some track cycling. I do love the track cycling. Isn't it cool? It's just cool to watch, I think, because of the banked element of the track. It, it is very soothing, even when they're going super fast and the bell is ringing. Mm -hmm. One element I love is that every bike has a camera on the back of it. So you get the you get the bike cam and it, it with with the speed and then the angles that the riders have to take and the little noise of the wooden track. Whenever they cut to bike cam, it remind it makes me think that I'm in a cycling horror movie, like a B level or B grade for horror film. What I have not noticed at cycling is the fans. It does not feel louder than some of the other events, like swimming, because you had all the swimmers there. I felt more presence than I do at cycling, even though cycling has more people there. I bet it has to do with the fact that they should not be yelling and they're clapping and you hear the claps, but in the venues where it was just athletes, they, and you know, boisterous American culture felt, you know, people were just yelling. 
and there was horns and they had the sticks. So they were, I think the athletes were trying harder to make it sound more full and the fans at uh, the velodrome are following the guidelines and clapping. Marnie needs to get out there with her drum. She does because the Canadian team is is really good. So she does, if, I hope she can get out there. It is, it is a hike. Um, we had a whole bunch of different races. There was uh, men's sprint and women's Kieran and uh, men's team pursuit. The men's team pursuit uh, finished up. And gold went to Italy, silver went to Denmark, and bronze went to Australia. But if you haven't checked that out, check out track cycling. Did you watch diving? In diving, we had the women's 10-meter platform prelims. So that means that their finals are coming up. And that's definitely that's always one to watch. The 10-meter platform is just incredible to watch. In equestrian, it was the jumping individual finals and victory. There was a six-way tie for first place. So they had a jump off. And gold ended up going to Great Britain's Ben Maher, who was riding Explosion W. Silver went to uh, Sweden's Peter Fredriksen, who was riding All In. And bronze went to the Netherlands' uh, Michael van der Vluten, who was riding Beauville Z. So the course had a theme, which is typical of Olympic courses. Mm -hmm. And it went with sort of a, a theme of Japanese culture. So you had kimonos and cherry blossoms. There was an imperial palace. There were taiko drums. But at one jump, there was a life-size sumo wrestler. <laughs> and apparently, this sumo wrestler was spooking several of the horses. That in qualifying, there was at least four or five horses that pulled up at that obstacle. Because all of a sudden, you come around the bend, and there was a giant man standing there. And... British rider had the best explanation of this. His name is Harry Charles. And he said, as you come around, you see a big guy's butt because you see the back of the statue. But he did not say butt. He said something else that we can't say on the air. So that if you go back and watch some of the question, it's at obstacle 10, the giant sumo wrestler that scares the horses. I do want to watch some of that because I I missed the qualifying and I do like jumping. I think it's insanely amazing how these horses go over some of these jumps that are so tall, especially the ones that are really close together. I don't know how they do it. Well, look out for the big guys, but don't get spooked. <laughs> uh, in golf, women started their individual stroke play. Over in handball, we had the women's quarterfinals. So ROC defeated Montenegro 32-26. Norway defeated Hungary 26-22. Sweden defeated Korea 39-30. And France defeated Netherlands 32-22. So we will have an all-European semifinal. And those matchups will be France versus Sweden and Norway versus ROC. In hockey, oh... This makes me sad because I didn't get a chance to watch hockey, but we had the women's semifinals. Netherlands defeated Great Britain 5-1 to one, and Argentina defeated India 2-1. to one. So the bronze medal matchup will be Great Britain versus India, which again, even though it, you know, the women weren't playing hockey back in 1948, I can still pretend it's another <laughs> matchup of gold, the movie about that we watched for Movie Club. And break out my Bollywood numbers. That'll be fun. And the champagne. <laughs> exactly. And then the gold medal match will be Netherlands versus Argentina. Marathon swimming. We talked about the feeding, but it was a pretty interesting event to watch. More so for me, I didn't watch the whole thing, but it was weird to see like a clump of swimmers and then all these boats surrounding them. So you had race boats on either side. You had like four lifeguards sitting on uh, inflatable boat rafts or kayaks or some kind of boat where they had their feet on both sides and just kind of paddled with their hands because they're going so slow. And it, it just and and swimmers are kind of crawling all over each other. Sometimes the strategy was, oh, when you jump in the water, you're just gonna jump in last and hope you can catch up in the water because then you're not getting kicked by everybody. It, I don't know. I don't know about this race. It's definitely a hard race to watch. 
on television or I'm sure in the stands, there's no stands. It's very hard to know what's going on. And the announcers were telling us who was in front as best as they could tell. But it was very hard to get a handle on what was happening. Exactly. And I wonder how the swimmers even managed to know what's happening because I did see a penalty being issued and the referee just kept blowing their whistle and they had the swimmers number up. And, uh, you know, if, if you hear a whistle, do you think I didn't do anything? I'm not looking. Or do you look, because if you look up, you've interrupted your stroke pattern. So then you would have to get that back. I don't know. It's a, I don't know. The men are going, maybe I'll, I'll, uh, tune into that because it does start early and that's usually the first thing on in our in our evening time and so in the women's 10k gold went to brazil's anna marcella Cunha, silver went to netherlands sharon von ruendal and australia's karina lee won the bronze i just want to make a quick mention about the brazilian swimmer mm -hmm. because she had her hair dyed green and yellow and blue oh nice for the flag for the for the brazilian flag but i was amazed that those colors held up vivids yeah. get washed out in the in the ocean water yeah but they have pretty heavy duty hat thing going on still in sailing, it was the last day of competition. So we had the 470s men's and women's uh, medal races. On the men's side, gold went to Australia, silver went to Sweden, and bronze went to Spain. On the women's side, gold went to Great Britain, silver went to Poland, and bronze went to France. Uh, the, on the Great Britain team was Hannah Mills, who is now the most decorated female sailor in Olympic history. She has two golds and a silver. In skateboarding... It was the women's park competition. Uh, gold went to Japan's Yosozumi Sakura. Silver went to Japan's Hiraki Kokona. And bronze went to Great Britain's Sky Brown. Did you watch? I did watch. And I did watch a, a, a good chunk of this. So Hiraki is 12 mm -hmm. and Brown is 13. Yes. So I wrote down the ages of all the finalists. So... Um, the gold medalist is 15. Uh, what you said, then there was a 19-year-old, a 17-year-old, and then three riders in their early 20s, with the oldest being 23. I've got a real problem that if you can hit gold medal level at 12. Right. Or silver medal level for this. She was in the running very close. Mm -hmm. It was better than the park. It, because I think it was similar to, um, it's very similar to Half Bite. So it felt more familiar. And also they were wearing helmets and protective gear. So that felt better. But you should not be 12 years old and able to win an Olympic medal. What does that say about your sport? Yeah. And it kind of harkens back to the older days of Olympic history where you did see some young people in events and there was another young very young person i guess in the table tennis competition i believe 12 years old yes here but she lost in the first round yeah in tokyo so yeah i don't i don't like it and it was weird i know that skateboarders will talk about the culture and how it's very there there's a good feeling in the culture and a lot of friendships happen and everything and you did see that it was it was very apparent that the competitors were hugging each other and big group hugs with everybody and that was that I really liked it kind of felt like a sport with rose-colored glasses where everything is good and loving and hun yes it it makes me concerned about protecting these kids at 12 and 13 because you're putting them in this pressure cooker environment mm -hmm. at an extremely young age it also makes me wonder what I said when we were watching park skateboarding that have we reached a high enough level that should be considered an Olympic sport? Mm. You know, are we are we seeing a level of competition that is truly excellence? And it could very well be because I don't, I mean, skateboarding, of course, is big in the X Games and I don't necessarily pay attention to the X Games. So it could very well be that it's very challenging and we just don't know it it's also very hard to see that it's challenging because the, the feed announcer whom i watched was 
quite excited about what he saw and was slightly better than the park element and slightly better than surfing because they did try. They did try. I would, uh, but I still don't know what these people did. Most of the stuff looked like, you know how when you have a little kid and they maybe jump six inches off the ground and to them it feels like they jumped five feet off the ground? That's what a lot of these tricks look like. Like, hey, mom, look at me. Look what I did. And you're like, oh, you went down a molehill. Good for you. And I don't want to say that to Slam Park because I know those bowls are deep and I know they're dangerous and I know that some of these tricks are good. I mean, uh, Yosuzumi did 540s, which actually you could tell that looked really impressive. I I will say that. So I'm not totally trying to hate on this. I just don't. It doesn't play well on television to me. And I feel like it needed more time to bake at a world championship level. Mm-hmm. We needed more another generation of kids fighting to compete at this kind of world championship level before we got into the Olympics. It came in maybe one games too soon. So I'm hopeful for Paris that we'll see a more mature competition. And I don't mean in terms of ages, I mean in terms of the development as a sport. Right. Because a I'm lot of people going to give it another shot. Yeah, there were a lot of wipeouts again, correct? Not not super many clean runs, but Yeah, I'm on the fence on skateboarding. I know there are people who love it, but uh it's uh, it's not for me. It's good that you recognize that. Yeah, well, it's not, it's not for me. I, I will say, nice story out of this event from the gold medalist Yosuzumi. She did not have a full-size skateboard park in her prefecture to where she could practice. So her mother would drive her as much as like an hour and a half away to a place where she could practice. And then the local sake brewing company, uh, Yoshimura Hideo Shoten, got wind of this and its owner... Uh, uh, Katsuhiko Yasumura took a storage building at his company and converted it into a skateboard park so that she could use it and practice there. It was now like five minutes from where she lived and she had 24-7 access to it. So she went to town and that's how she could land those 540s. She was able to work on them. And what's nice is now you've got the skateboard park in this prefecture that housed the Olympic gold medalist, and now well, maybe you can develop the sport? Is it going to be publicly open? I don't think so, um, because it's on there. It was a storage building on their property, and it's yeah. on, they did the renovation. So I don't think, I, I believe that there is an actual owner of the property, and they had to go through real estate, real estate companies, and then also talk to the neighbors around them to say, hey, we're going to have this skateboarder here, and it could get loud, but do you mind? Because he really just, he wanted a... Uh, medalist to come from their prefecture very nice it's a nice little story in the asahi shimbun um sport climbing had women started their competition table tennis the women's and men's team had their semi-final action so there was uh, the second women's team semi-final happened and china defeated germany 3-0 and then the men's team's competition had their semi-finals china beat korea 3-0 and germany upset japan three to two. So the women's team bronze medal match will be Germany and Hong Kong. The women's team gold medal match will be China and Japan. Very nice. That will let me see if I can get the men. The men's bronze medal match will be Korea and Japan and the men's team gold medal will be China and Germany. I'm sorry. That's going to be ones to watch. In the volleyball arena, women had their quarterfinal matchups. Korea defeated Turkey uh, three to two. U.S. beat Dominican Republic three to zero. Serbia. Wait, did we not say yesterday that U.S. was out of volleyball? Yeah, I screwed up. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Why well, hey, the U.S. is still in the competition? U.S. beat Dominican Republic three to zero. Serbia beat Italy three to zero, and Brazil beat ROC three to one. So the semifinal matchups will be Serbia and USA and Brazil versus Korea. 
In water polo, men had their quarterfinal tournament. Uh, Spain beat U.S. 12 to 8. Greece beat Montenegro 10 to 4. Serbia beat Italy 10 to 6. And Hungary beat Croatia 15 to 11. The semifinal matchups will be Brazil versus ROC and France versus Argentina. In weightlifting, we had the men's uh, plus 109 kilo competition. I did not get a chance to watch this, but it is on my list. Gold went to Georgia's Lasha Talakazi. Wait, Talakaja, I think. Lasha Talakaja. Silver went to Iran's Ali Davudi. And bronze went to Syria's Man Assad. But the, oh, the big ones there, that's always fun to watch and see what they can lift. And in wrestling, we had more men's Greco-Roman action, uh, men's freestyle action, and women's freestyle action. Uh, and then the men's Greco-Roman 67 kilos had their medal matchups, as did the men's Greco-Roman wrestling. Oh, wait, sorry, let me just start that a uh, little bit again. So, but in the... Uh, in the medal events that they had, it was men's Greco-Roman 67 kilos. Gold went to Iran's Mohammad Reza uh, Garayi. I'm going to say uh, Mohammad Reza Garay. Silver went to Ukraine's Parviz Nazibov. And bronzes went to Mohammad Ibrahim's El Sayed from Egypt and Frank Stabler from Germany. In the men's Greco-Roman 87 kilo competition, Gold went to Ukraine's Jean Belenuk. Belenuk. Silver went to Hungary's Viktor Lorinch. And bronzes went to Serbia's Zorabi Datushvili and Germany's Denis Kudla. In the women's competition, that was the 62 kilo uh, freestyle event. Japan took away the gold with uh, Kawai Yukato, Yukako beat Kyrgyzstan's Azilu Tinyabikova. And bronzes went to Bulgaria's uh, Taibu Mustafa Usain and uh, Ukraine's Irina Kolyadenko. So we watched a lot of wrestling again because Helen Maroulis was fighting. Helen Maroulis is in the um, women's freestyle 57 kilo competition. And they had their earlier rounds. And we watched in our night. So we watched the... Tokyo morning session and the evening session because she was getting further in the competition in the round of eight. Oh, and Helen is the defending gold medalist and was big deal here in America because she is America's first female wrestling gold medalist. And in her round of eight, she beat, this is honestly, if you could dial up individual matches, which hello, OBS, Maybe we should do that, have the ability in our digital age to dial individual matches and uh, watch them on replay. But maybe this will be on YouTube. She competed against China's Rong Ningning. This was about. She was so fast and, and Rong looked like she was going to have her down or pin her and some way like she would just skitter to the side and like get wrong and just counterattack and get the points. It was a really, really beautiful match. Amazing bout to watch. We were so pumped and so excited. We woke, went to bed, woke up. She had moved past the quarterfinals. She was in the semifinals and faced uh, Japan's Kawai Rizako, lost two to one. And it was that same, I had that same deflated feeling as when I watched the women's softball tournament and that gold medal match. And you just had that, oh no, it's not going well. And and I don't want to harsh grooves because I think she might still be going through the repassage, but the the points were all penalty points. Even the announcers were saying, "I'm not sure why she was put up for penalty," uh, because there's a there's a bit if you're not attacking enough, they'll put thirty seconds on the score clock or on the clock thirty seconds on the clock, and within that 30, 30 seconds you have to score. And so that's what happened for, for all of these points to earn. If you don't score in that 30 seconds, your opponent gets a point. And on the second one, the announce, the commentators were like, we don't understand why Helen was given that penalty because, and that ended up being the decided point. Well, I do have a bit of this story that's going to make you feel better. Okay. So Riseko Kawai 
uh, or rather Kawai Riseko and Kawai Yakako are sisters. Mm. So the woman who won the 62 gold is the sister of the woman who is now competing. And they had to adjust their weight classes so they wouldn't be in the same class and they could both make the Olympics. Oh, okay. That's nice. But Helen Marulis is still an amazing fighter. And, and I'm sure everybody at the Olympics can is an amazing fighter. But oh, man, it was tough to see, to watch that bout. So, but again, I can't necessarily get up too upset because host country you know and you could have sisters from the host country both winning medals hmm. uh, another one to watch is uh, in the men's freestyle 86 kilos oh man we watched about between us's david taylor and india's uh, deepak punya and oh he david taylor dominated this this was a semi-final bout and just so fast and so strong that's a gold medal match to watch and that is it for today's oh, competition. And uh, I didn't even have too many tongue twisters. <laughs> All right. What is on our show list on watch for tomorrow? We got new sports coming in. Evan Dunphy is doing 20 kilometer race walk and Samantha Schultz begins ranking rounds of modern pentathlon. Sweet. When does karate start? Uh, it starts today, but Tom is not competing today. Okay. Well, that means it's time for us to say sayonara. As always, you can email us at flamealifepod at gmail.com or text or voicemail us at 208-352-6348. That's 208-FLAME-IT. Don't forget our Kickstarter and help us reach the goal of bringing you on-the-ground coverage at Beijing, both the Paralympics and the Olympics. That's kickstarter.com slash profile slash flamealifepod. As we go out to music by Mercury Sunset, thank you so much for listening, and until tomorrow, keep the flame alive. <laughs>